You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Something's coming. Guys. Aliens! We've been calling them the Dominators. That is not the name of a species that comes in peace. We must exterminate your kind before the scourge of your planet becomes the scourge of ours. Dominator ships are coming in worldwide. Barry, we can't do this alone. I don't plan to. Green Arrow. Dig. Spartan. White Canary. Firestorm. The Atom. Heatwave. How did you get the name Heatwave? I burned my family alive. I like to light things on fire. Well, that's a colorful backstory. Oh, things just got so much worse. You really did it this time, Barry. Y'all call for tech support. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I had enough of this. It's been an honor to know all of you fight alongside of you. Now it's up to you to keep our home safe. Have fun storming the castle. You're gonna use Princess Bride against me? Here we go. Episode of the legendary Flashing Arrows of Tomorrow, where each week Glenn and I sit down to discuss the DC triple shot on the CW. And this week, Glenn, we are still talking about <laughs> three episodes because the CW is just a big fat pack of liars, sir. That's what they are. This was this was billed as a four night, a four episode crossover. And it most definitely was not. Now, if they had said that this was this is a big crossover event featuring characters from four different shows, then they would be correct. But to say that this was a four-show crossover is uh, a, a blatant lie, I would go so far as to say. Uh, <laughs> so you it's did like not... It's No Man's Sky. You did not... Uh, hey, No Man's Sky has turned itself around, my friend. <laughs> I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but... Uh, it, it is doing better for itself, and I and I must admit, I'm too busy paying attention to what my governor thinks he should do. <laughs> I went back. I, hey, I went back and re-downloaded that game, and it is. Uh, I, there's a lot more for me to do now, so I'm happy. It's given me more playing time out of it. So, uh, but yeah, I you did not watch the Supergirl episode, right? Did you? You did this per my advice, correct? Yeah, I was gonna watch it, and then you were like, "Well, you don't need to." No, you do not. Because uh, the plan was, I was gonna watch. Supergirl and the, I mean, I recorded it, and I was going to watch Supergirl and The Flash on Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. and then I was going to watch Wednesday and Thursday in the morning today, Yeah. but thank God, I mean, not thank God, but my girlfriend got strep, so all my plans, like, I became completely open to do what I needed yeah. to do, so. Uh, so, yeah, I the first, the first clue to me, because I did watch Supergirl, the first clue to me should have been when I read that the title for this episode of Supergirl wasn't called Invasion, like the rest <laughs> of the episodes. It was called Medusa, which is apparently part of whatever story they are doing at the moment, and I felt completely lost watching the episode. Because the whole episode... Now, with with the exception of one time in the beginning of the episode and one time in the middle of the episode, a portal opens and then closes. And they can't figure out where it's coming from or who's causing it. Obviously, I know who's causing it, where it's coming mm-hmm. from. But those are your only hints. The rest of the episode is the other ninety nine point nine percent of this episode is a super a standalone Supergirl episode that has nothing to do with the crossover. And at the very end, a portal opens again, but this time Barry and Cisco come through, and Kara comes home and she's like, "Oh my God, you guys!" And Cisco makes some jokes about you know how her Earth is pretty awesome looking or whatever. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, Barry's like, remember that time I came and helped you? And you said, if I, I needed help, you'd help me. I need your help. And that was, that was the only tie-in we got, which immediately I felt ripped off. But before <laughs> we start talking about these episodes, it needs to be pointed out that the very next night on the episode of The Flash, which you have watched, they show the scene from Supergirl. Uh, the exact scene. They show it again in The Flash. So, Glenn, by virtue of you having watched this episode of The Flash, you saw everything you needed to know as it pertained to the story arc that was on Supergirl without ever having to watch Supergirl, uh, which is a shame. Uh, it's also why, in case people are like, hey, how come Jacqueline and Aurora aren't here? I told them they didn't have to watch either because their concern, and I, I made this decision after having watched The Flash, Aurora and Jacqueline's concern was because they do not watch these shows. Uh, their well, concern... if they would have watched it, they would have been turned on by Mick Rory. So they may have watched. <laughs> maybe they would have started watching DC Legends. Perhaps. Uh, and I am trying to convince Aurora slowly to start watching Flash and uh, Legends and forget about Arrow. Uh, but <laughs> the uh, their concern was that uh, you know they there's all the, these three shows that they don't watch and they're all tying together and. You know, they're just worried they don't know anything about the show, so there's like going to be so much going on that they don't know. And my my line of thinking was, well, probably not. I feel like this is going to be in like a bubble outside of, you know, not like it doesn't exist to everything else in these shows, but that it's just going to exist outside of the current storylines of these shows. It's going to kind of be its own condensed, uh, contained story. And boy, was I wrong. All three of these episodes heavily relied on story elements from Heck things yeah. that are currently going on and things that have gone on in these shows, which... I mean, I know a, we'll talk about it, but I figured Stein would have a big part in it, just virtue yeah. of the fact what was happening in the show. But yeah. I really wasn't expecting them to have so much carryover from each of the shows. Yeah, I mean, it was it was almost entirely based around it, which... For us watching it, I think ultimately turned out great because we're rewarded for all of these things yeah. uh, that we've seen. And, you know, Aurora and Jacqueline are no, they're not dummies. They would be able to grasp, you know, what's happening, but they, they would have none of the context and yeah, none of the experience of having watched. And that's no fun at all. So they're, they're going to just stick to doing uh, the great escape. And apparently, presumably, at some point, there will be a crossover in which it works out for everybody and it makes perfect sense. The, the the Flash Supergirl crossover last year, that was possible because that show was kind of in a bubble because they're just doing uh, you know, villain of the week when they did this. So it was kind of easy to hop in. They didn't rely too much on other things that were happening with Supergirl uh, that much in the story, so it was fairly accessible to people. Uh, this would not have been. You would have you would have to be fairly well versed on what's going on in all three of these shows to really get the full enjoyment factor out of it. Uh, all right, so let's start uh, with part one of this three-parter, since all of the episodes are called Invasion. We'll just we'll just go part one, part two, part three. So The Flash and uh, part one of Invasion. So uh, we start with Barry investigating a crashed meteor outside of Central City that turns out to be less meteor and more spaceship full of aliens that emerge. Uh, Lila tells the team that these are called Dominators. We're just letting them know this now. They've landed previously in the 1950s, but then mysteriously departed after kidnapping many soldiers. Uh, I'm guessing that's when they decided to call them Dominators, presumably in the dominating fashion in which they dispatched the soldiers. I guess, because otherwise that's a really weird-ass thing to call aliens, but okay. Uh, needing help, Barry assembles the original Team Arrow. So fuck off new guys. It's Thea... <laughs> and Diggle, and Oliver. And also with him are the Legends. Oh, and uh, Barry and Sisko take a, a side trip to Earth-38 to uh, recruit the help of one Kara Danvers, a.k.a. Supergirl. Uh, the team begins training at the Star Labs facility, sparring against Supergirl to prepare against the aliens. And let's just say that they're lucky that the aliens were not a bunch of Supergirls because these guys would all be slaughtered easily by them. Because uh, this was this was no sweat off her brow. Uh, Cisco finds and reveals the message that Rip Hunter uh, received from future Barry, which exposes Barry's manipulation of the timeline and how it affected other team members. Oliver, Kara, Felicity, 
Martin and Jefferson become the only ones who still trust Barry. The Dominators also abduct the president because they're aliens, and that's what aliens do, apparently. Uh, Kara leads most of the others in a rescue effort, but the Dominators kill the president and trap uh, Team Supergirl with a mind-control device. The control- well, can we lead to the part, the best thing of the episode? Oh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll bring it up. Oh, okay, okay. Because uh, it, it was my favorite part as well. Uh, the controlled <laughs> heroes return and attack Star Labs. While Oliver and Wally, who's like, hey, I've got to help. Everybody was like, yeah, so this is like a little side thing with Wally West. Where he's like, hey, I want to help too. And they're like, you know what? Your first day on the job really shouldn't be helping the team defend off an alien invasion. You might get hurt. And lo and behold, he did get hurt. Uh, but not not fatally so. Uh, Barry lures Kara to uh, the device and manipulates her into destroying it, ultimately freeing everyone from the mind control device. And the team, after this, has decided that they are going to trust Barry again. But then suddenly, Sarah, Ray, Diggle, Thea, and Oliver are teleported away by the Dominators before Barry has a chance to intervene. End of part one. Your thoughts on part one of Invasion, Glenn? Uh, I liked it. I, I mean, I know we'll, we'll do give our scores on a cut thing, but... Um, but uh, it was good. I mean, the fact that they showed the hangar... And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's the Hall of Justice. Like, it was, uh, <laughs> like, like, there was just certain little Easter eggs they put in there, and I was just, like, craving my pants. Like, it was just, it was so beautiful. I'm actually going to see some of these things in real life. Yeah. Uh, like, I, uh, I like Supergirl in it, and as uh, we're going to definitely talk about it in the third one, I felt really bad for her. Because mm-hmm. I felt like, of the big three who have their own shows well of the soup of the meta or you know yeah. what i mean the superheroes outside of legends people yeah uh she was not given nearly as much show time as she should have right well uh, I as mean, it goes along like i got really annoyed i mean we'll talk about it more later but i just really got annoyed like how much they brushed her off yeah, uh, I feel like she got... But I loved her and Grant Gustin's chemistry. Like, that was awesome. They're amazing. She and Mick Rory are amazing together, I think. <laughs> they are but, but, like, as a weird, awkward couple. So I feel like with Supergirl, she very much got... I think she was... I You know, I, I want to come out and state that I believe she was uh, one half of the best thing of this whole episode. And it was on, oh, yeah. it was on her and Mick Rory. And we'll talk about that momentarily. But uh, I think in a lot of other ways, she was kind of given the... Uh, the quick si- short straw. That was she, my I feel problem. I feel like she was she's in the quicksilver position from like X Men Days of Future Past where like he was able to do some cool stuff, but it's not too far of a leap of logic to determine that they could just use this guy to quickly accomplish their goal, and then the movie would be over, and we can't have that, but we still want him in the movie. Uh, so we gotta we gotta think of something else to do with him, and like Supergirl could have easily helped them do a lot of this stuff. But they had to find ways to kind of push her to the side a little bit because otherwise it would be probably too easy of an accomplishment. It'd be the victory. Supergirl Flash show. Yeah, these are not like yeah these these aliens are not like these overpowering like even Supergirl can't stop them like they were really no match for her either. Oh. And you know so they wanted her in the show and they certainly did some good things with her but she was definitely underutilized for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the like we like we were saying, the best part of this episode was her interaction with Mick Rory. I, I feel like <laughs> she played it off so well. I just mean, like her had, trying to be nice but super uncomfortable at the same time. Yeah, they had two. They had two magical moments in this episode. Uh, <laughs> the first, because yeah, they do this whole bit where she's getting to know all of them, and you know she's showing them that like she's learned all their names and their their superhero names. And she's just excited to be here with all of these people. And she approaches Mick and asks Mick, why do they call you Heatwave? <laughs> and his, his response is uh, something along the lines of, uh, I burned my parents alive and I like to set things on fire. And she just looks at him like, okay. <laughs> it was so like it was a, It was great. such a good job on the writer's part. To try and give those two moments because they have two very, very different 
ideologies. Yeah, it's like a, it it's like a it's like a puppy meets Hitler or something. Like it was just yeah. this weird dichotomy of characters. And I like that they address Snart um, they to do. Barry. That was nice. Thank I mean, you. I really thought all like the Flash people like this was a good like as far as crossover. Like I thought this one did the best out of all of the episodes of like showcasing the people that are usually on that time slot. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, of course, you know, unfortunately, you know, Joe West gets sidelined a little bit, but like even Iris has some parts. They, I think overall they did a good job with Cisco uh, and all of it. Like he, act, I mean, he definitely had the biggest growth. He had the best story arc, I think yeah. as a person. He, I wasn't necessarily my favorite, like, but as I'm sure we'll talk about as a collective, like he, I think they did the best thing of fixing his character, like righting the wrongs, not necessarily the wrongs, but the things we always complain about Arrow is they let things drag on too much and then it just gets annoying and then we want it to go back to the way it was. Like, I felt like what they did with this crossover is they did a good job of burying the hatchet on a lot of things with Cisco that we kind of had problems with. The stuff they never do with Felicity, they did with Cisco. Yes, which is exactly. weird. Which is weird because Felicity was next to him almost at every moment in all of these episodes. Yeah, and they made all their cool movie references. They did make a lot of movie references, and uh, I do believe they mentioned it as well in Arrow before I because I know I'm going to forget if I don't say it now. But when uh, uh, whatever his name is, Mister Terrific or whatever, he makes a movie reference, and he's like, "Oh, so you have a smart, nerdy guy who makes movie references too? Very original." <laughs> uh, I was like, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so there was that moment. And then, of course, there's the moment where Mick is like, Supergirl's a stupid name. Why do they call you that? <laughs> and then she's to, and instead of being offended by it, she's like, You just call me Kara or Kara or whatever. And he yeah, goes, Yeah, you call me Kara. That's my name. Like, no, that's nah. a stupid name, too. <laughs> what are you going to call her? Skirt. And call her Skirt. And you then, think of course, Supergirl and Kara's dumb. <laughs> yeah, he's going to call her Skirt. Um, and then, of course, it had the best payoff ever, which is when they're when they confront the Dominators and they use their mind control device and they're all in pain. And he, uh, you know, McRory just shouts out, "Do something, Supergirl!" <laughs> he, he's like, "That's a stupid name. I'm not going to call you that. I'm going to call you Skirt." But when the heat was really on, when they're in trouble, he's like, "Supergirl, help us! Yeah, do something! I don't need you to watch my back." <laughs> <laughs> oh man she's, yeah because she's just like uh, okay <laughs> like it was just the like we thought her we thought you know him and vixen had some uh compromising ideologies but those two like it was it was vinegar and oil like oh, that yeah. was it was the best it was yeah. so night and day so great and it, and it made for and it made for greatness <laughs> and it it so more greatness before this is all over too like because... it was almost like like as awkward as watching like the British office. Like it was just like, <laughs> it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, this was, this was, uh, this was excellent. Shall we, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add about this particular episode or shall we move on to, to part two? Um, I mean, not, not too terribly much. I mean, I, I like what they did with Barry in it and that kind of stuff. But again, a lot of things I have to say, like kind of, we'll have to talk about as a whole. So, yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, Let's talk about uh, the arrow portion of this then. Uh, it's Invasion Part 2. So Oliver awakes to find himself back at Queen Manor. Both his parents are alive. He is about to be married to Laurel Lance. And Diggle is the hood. However, it is revealed that he, Diggle, Thea, Sarah, and Ray are all being held in unconscious inside pods on a Dominator spaceship. Meanwhile, Felicity, Curtis, and Cisco uh, try to hack the Dominator's mainframe using a piece of their technology. The team recovers a necessary device with the help of the Flash and Supergirl, and they manage to locate the others. Oliver, still in the, the dreamscape, begins seeing flashes of his former life, as do Sarah and Ray. All five captives soon realize that they are inside a shared hallucination. Their escape attempt is blocked by memories of Malcolm Merlin, Deathstroke, and Damian Dark, and their mercenaries, all of whom were defeated by the captives. Then they leave the dream and awaken inside the ship and realize they are in space, manage to escape in a Dominator shovel, or shovel, a shuttle. Uh, I would like to see them fly a shovel in outer space. <laughs> Did not happen. 
uh, <laughs> Dominator's shuttle, uh, and they are rescued by the Wave Rider. Ray deduces that the Dominators were gathering information from their minds using the hallucinations as a distraction to help them complete a special weapon. The team learns that the Dominator mothership is now headed towards Earth. Uh, so I would like to say, Glenn, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like this is maybe the best episode of Arrow I've seen in a long time. Yes. Uh, probably because they were drawing upon things and elements from the first two seasons of the show, which were when the show was great. Um, but yeah, I loved the, the putting them in this, this, this dreamscape thing. Yeah, where they and basically it was cool because it their... fits their, like, you know, his backstory stuff that they do, the flashbacks. Yeah. Like, so they still did it, like, they still kept that structure, but mm -hmm. I, I just I thought that was really neat. Yeah, and it was like this, uh, and the world they're in is like this super idealized world. Like, Ollie never, Ollie never got on the boat, his dad never died, his mother never died, Laura yeah, was still it's alive. Kind of... He, but he, but, but the thing is, like, the, the thought would be like, oh, well, it's Oliver going through all of that is what turned him away from being this party boy douchebag into being like the, the man that he is now or whatever. But in this idealized dream world, he didn't go through any of those trials and tribulations and he still grew out of it and became a good upstanding man and, uh, and, uh, you know, like a, a good dude and he's not a douchebag anymore. Like, so this is like a perfectly idealized world for them. And obviously Sarah gets to be with her sister again and, you know, all, like all of this stuff. And I really like Ray's they, engaged to Felicity. Ray's engaged to Felicity, yes. And they, uh, I, I just love that they, they pulled on all of these, uh, all of these strings. Thea didn't want to leave, uh, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously convenient that the, the dominators weren't able to create something good enough to like fool them into th like they very kind of quickly realized that what they were in wasn't real because like every time they touch somebody they get like these flashbacks of what really happened and then there's of course there's the smoke industries building which should not exist like that sort of stuff yeah it was kind of like um there's a uh, this i forget what it's called but it's something that mongol has it's like a plant Mm -hmm. And it actually gets on Superman's chest, and it becomes. And they did it actually in the animated series as well. Yeah. Um, but it essentially, like, it's punishment. Like you're trapped there, but like it's kind of a gift at the same time. Like it, it gives you a happy place while you're pretty much imprisoned in your brain. Yeah. But the one, the other thing it reminded me of was the uh, the Batman animated series episode. One of my favorite episodes, Perchance to Dream. The one where Mad Hatter has Bruce Wayne, or has Batman captured, and he's just Bruce Wayne. He's not Batman. He keeps seeing Batman go around, and he just knows something's not right because his parents are alive. He's engaged to Selena Kyle. Like, it really it was very similar to that episode, like to a T. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I just I really liked it. It was like you said, it was. It was one of the best Arrow episodes I've seen in a very long time. And you're probably right. It probably has more to do with the fact they were talking about the things that happened in the first two, two and a half seasons. I so. mean, I mean, for goodness sakes, before they left, Oliver turned around and he saw the force ghosts of everyone from his yeah. life that had died, including, I believe, uh, Tommy Merlin, I think, was in there. Yeah. And, like, everybody. Laura was there, his mom, his dad, and... It was like that scene from like uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part yeah. Two, where you know, like we're going to be with you the whole way, Oliver, until the end. And then Oliver goes and and Voldemort kills him. I think is how this episode ends. I like, yeah, uh, I was going to say you keep you, you're mixing your uh, stories. <laughs> some, some look, it was very, it was very similar. Was I like, like how they different. didn't know how to fly the ship. They actually didn't figure that out. That was funny. Was was uh, was no? I think it's the next episode where McRory is piloting the the yes. wave rider and he's just next episode. he's amazing and and uh, it just uh, well I mean we'll talk about it I mean there's it's like I feel like this was a very good episode but at the same time this was very much like the middle section of the story and not yeah it was a whole very lot isolated yeah not a whole lot really happened it was these people were captured and we introduced some of the other characters uh, I mean uh, one thing we didn't talk about, uh, what's his face? Casey Jones. Uh, yeah. 
what's his name? Mad Dog, oh, Wild Dog. Yeah, Wild Dog. He was never more annoying than he was in this episode, and I was just aching. Oh, a lot minutes. No, this happened till you guys showed up. So I don't know what happened here. They found a cyborg woman. I don't remember. Does this tie into anything else? Like to me, she came off as a character I've never seen before, and I don't know who she was, and she was just here. Yeah. Oh, but that, I had also, is, but I had my favorite part in the whole episode. Anyway, I cheered when she shot him. I thought he was dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I cheered. Well, the best part of the episode was whenever Flash punches her and he tags in Kara. That was yes. And then he goes into the corner like, all right, you know. That's yeah, awesome. that was great. Uh, yeah. So I I don't know what the deal was with Cyborg Lady. That seemed yeah, really. I, I have no idea. That seemed kind of out of the blue, but. I was like, is this a character I'm supposed to remember? I don't remember this character, but outside of that, uh, this was not the best of the three episodes by any means, but this was easily the best episode of Arrow I've seen in a long time. Uh, I like that they pulled on many of those strings. Uh, it was kind of cool to see uh, Damien Dark, Malcolm Merlin, and Deathstroke all fighting the heroes together. Like They kind of had like a mini supervillain team-up in the middle of this superhero team-up arc. Yeah, except they didn't have some of the actors in it. No. <laughs> like, they didn't have Diggle's brother. They didn't have Manu no, Bennett. That is true. Yeah, that's weird. That is true. And they they had to make up an excuse why Tommy Merlin wasn't there. Yeah. They're like, well, he's not. And they showed his Force Ghost, but he never said anything. So I'm presuming some sort of still photo that they used uh, or something. But, uh, yeah. So this was... This was fine, but... Uh, it was it was okay, but I think the unless you have anything else to add, no, it gets, that's pretty much it. It gets more interesting at the end. Yeah, this one this one felt least of the cro crossover of the three. Yeah, I mean mainly because right. it really was just Arrow and then Cisco helping him find something, and then yeah, Flash and Supergirl punch some people in the face. Um, all right, so let's let's hop on into Legends of Tomorrow then and Invasion Part Three. Uh, so it's Nate, Mick, and Amaya. Nice of her to show up finally, and Nate as well. Actually, he hasn't really been in anything. Uh, I mean, he was on the Wave Rider, right? In in Part Two yeah. in the Arrow episode. Uh, but yeah, this he is, picks him up. This is the first we've seen Amaya. Apparently, she was using the bathroom when they picked them up in uh, in Episode Two. Uh, but she's here now, along with Felicity and Cisco who are using the Wave Rider to travel back in time to Oregon, 1951, uh, to the first Dominator invasion with the intent on capturing one of these Dominators to find out why they are here and what their plan is. The Legends successfully capture a Dominator for information, but are themselves captured by Federal agents, uh, one of whom we meet the older version of in the present time. Uh, while in custody, they learn from the Dominator that the aliens arrived to assess the threat humanity posed to their species now that metahumans have appeared, starting with the Justice Society of America, I believe, as that's why they are in the 50s. Uh, Felicity and Cisco <coughs> have to ultimately rescue the legends because they, they were captured and imprisoned, and it's up to the nerds. Uh, Mick Rory displeased with this fact. I think he's like, uh, rescued by geeks or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, not his worst nightmare come, come to pass. And on top of that, not only are the legends set free, but they set the Dominator free as well. Hopefully, I guess, to show good intent. I'm not sure. Meanwhile, in Central City 2016, the team learns that the Dominators know about Barry's manipulation of the timeline, and they demand his surrender in exchange for peace. After the legends return... The team discovers that the Dominator's weapon is a bomb that will kill all metahumans on Earth, with millions of collateral human casualties, of course. The team dissuades Barry from surrendering with Sisko reconciling with him. Of course, here they're completely glossing over why they reconciled, but we'll talk about it. Uh, they manage to destroy the bomb and force the Dominators to retreat using a pain-inflicting nanotechnology, uh, which was developed by another thing that they completely dismissed in both the last episode's description and this episode's description, which is that Martin Stein, uh, it's revealed that the woman he keeps seeing in his vision is not somebody other than his wife. It is a person that he and his wife conceived. He has a daughter who is also super smart, of course. Uh, and she helped him develop the nanotech weapon. Uh, Cisco gives Kara a device that will help her travel between universes to make 
further crossovers far more convenient. Uh, Martin convinces Jefferson not to tell the others that his daughter Lily is actually a time aberration. Uh, so yeah, they they completely glossed over, I think, one of the biggest storytelling moments in this episode, which is why Cisco reconciled with Barry. Uh, yeah. And it's because Cisco was the one who had the idea to let the Dominator go free, and it was ultimately his decision that the Dominators decided to invade in the first place in 2016. Um, and it was Cisco realizing that he had done exactly what Barry had done. And Cisco thought, just like Barry had, that he was trying to do the right thing and look what it has caused. And he, basically, Cisco was, was put in Barry's shoes. And yep. it made him realize, as so often happens with people, they don't really think about it until it personally affects them or they can see it from another person's perspective. And uh, that's, that's what happened here with Cisco. He grew as a character. Yeah. If only they've done that with Felicity at some point. So what were your thoughts <laughs> on, uh, on part three and uh, then this whole three-parter as a whole? So in part three, what McRoy uh, part do we want to talk? Uh, what line from McRoy do we want to talk about first? Do we want to talk about the uh, where he's like uh, he's trying to fly the ship? I love when he's trying to fly the ship because <laughs> okay, so we are on season two of this show, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, and McRoy. So McRoy has been on this ship for a couple of years, presumably much longer because obviously there was that part where he was uh, captured and brainwashed yeah. by the 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 time lords or whatever it was time masters uh he's been around a place or two and he goes to sit down and he's like hey gideon uh start the uh you know and then nate's got to come in with like the the temporal engine or whatever the fuck it's called mick does not even know like the (laughs) he's gonna fly this thing and he's just like hey start the uh the thing the the time thing He's, uh, I don't know if I would entrust him <laughs> with piloting, but I just love that he, he just doesn't give a shit about this sort of stuff. Uh, he, no, hits he, on, he hits on Supergirl, I think, at the end. At the very end, he says... Uh, call me Skirt or something yeah, along those call lines. Me next time you, call me next time, Skirt. And she's just kind of like, uh... <laughs> she looks at him like, what the... Uh, how do I be nice? on this guy. Like, he doesn't have a power. He just has a heat gun. And Mick Rory, he doesn't care. No power, a heat gun, and no fucks is Mick yeah. Rory. <laughs> that was the best. He was just like, this girl, this skirt's cute. Yeah. Oh, and then him and ever he's talking when they're getting their medals from the president. He leans over oh, to Sarah yeah. Lance. He goes, I think the president's pretty hot. She goes, yeah, she's pretty, pretty hot. hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the real test of this episode is the... Ray Palmer joke. Do you recall the Ray Palmer joke? Because it is... uh, I couldn't decide on whether it was... uh, so fourth wall goofy that it's great or so fourth wall goofy that I didn't like it. Oh, yeah, when he says that my cousin... He thought... Yeah, yeah, he's like, wow, she looks exactly like my cousin. And I start giggling and my daughter is looking at me and she's like, what's so funny about that? And I'm like, don't you... It's like Brandon Routh, you remember? And she's like... Oh, he was Superman, and like Supergirl is her, is Superman's cousin, and she's like, I get it, that's awesome. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was, yeah, it was really, it was it, really I, cute. This crossover, they felt pretty self-aware. Yes, yeah, I would agree. Like a lot of it was tongue in cheek, which I liked. I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was just, a, it was just kind of, I mean, it was, it was, it was like three and three quarters wall breaking. Yeah, like they didn't so quite was, go all four, but they went close. So, who were your standouts in the whole crossover? <sighs> I mean, I part of me really wanted to say Supergirl because I like Melissa. Yeah, Benoist. I thought she was good. I just felt like she got cheated on the script. Yeah, she was not a standout because she was barely in the second episode at all. Yeah, and same as Barry. I mean, yeah, neither of them were hardly in the episode, but she. Uh, but when Barry was, obviously, there's a lot of story focus on him uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of this had to do with what he's done. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was a standout. Hmm? I thought he was a standout. Grant Gustin, Barry Allen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's def- He definitely stood out. I mean, for what they gave her... Stein. 
Stein, yeah, Stein was a standout. There. Obviously, they gave him big chunks as yeah. well, and he's, you know, he's like, you know, I can fix my aberration or whatever. Until he got to know his daughter, and he's like, I don't want to fix the aberration. Uh, you want an abortion? <laughs> yeah, no, no temporal abortions here. Uh, at least, at least not for the time being. Although something terrible might happen that would uh, result in him having to fix it. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think Barry is by far the most standout. But I'll, I'll say this. I was kind of surprised at uh, how much more I liked Oliver Queen in these episodes. Really? I thought he was almost completely useless. I mean, to a Like, de- they tried to Batman him, but it's just, he's not Batman. It just no, he's not. Sometimes. He, he's, he's not, but I found him way... I just m- always find it really strange that they always prop him up as, like, the leader. And it's like, but you're not, like... You're, you're Green Arrow. You're not the leader of the squad. <laughs> he's like, well, I mean, he's like the tactical guy, though. He knows, like, because Barry's like, so what do we do? Okay, we, uh, and then Arrow's got to be like, uh, we're gonna, we got to set up, uh, we got to set up a uh, training. Again, with, you know, we'll use Supergirl. And I don't like, want you holding back, especially against me. And she just beats the shit <laughs> Yeah, which was great. I'm like, I don't know who you, you know. Uh, but I, I found him more enjoyable in, but I, I think I always find him more enjoyable in these settings outside of like the brooding dark settings of Arrow, you know, they kind of forced Arrow to lighten up a little bit for the second part of, of the story. It was still kind of very Arrow-ish, but it was very season one and season two, which made it good. Uh, but I just find him more enjoyable when contrasted with these other characters. I think it, I don't know. I think he kind of. It kind of works a little bit better. Uh, he, he was fairly useless, but I mean, he's a bow and arrow guy fighting yeah. aliens. He doesn't have cool gadgets. No, so of course he wasn't going to be. Planes, wear a was, car. He wasn't going to. No, he wasn't going to be particularly <laughs> useful. Um, I think, as usual, I think McRory stands out, even though he doesn't get a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's because he's, he's the funny guy. Right, but he always gets the best <laughs> moments. Good job, like. He does a good job of playing off... Like, they do a good job of setting him up to play off of other characters. Yes, and he does this character very well. It's not just that I like him because he's the funny guy. Yeah. I just think, in a lot of ways, like, as the viewer, I feel like my perspective usually lines up with his as far as, like, fish-out-of-water moments of things. Mm -hmm. I also think ninjas are cool. Like, there's just certain, (laughs) like... In a way, like, Mick's kind of like a 10-year-old kid at heart. Like, he's still just a kid who likes to play with fire because fire is cool. Yeah. And so like, that that kind of stuff, like, that's that's kind of the heartwarming parts of him that you, you go to. And the fact he just gives zero fucks, which is just... Yeah. I mean, they they find entertaining ways to pair him off with characters. I don't think Sarah Lance stood out as well in, in these crossovers. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and they've been doing a lot with her in general on yeah. on Legends, but uh, you're right. They've they've done they they were doing some more with her here. Um, yeah, like, I thought they did a good job of like picking a few people from each of the shows' respective casts yeah. and kind of letting them shine a little bit. Like definitely yeah. Flash, it was Cisco and Barry, and Arrow, it was well, I guess Diggle to a certain extent. Yeah, Thea to a degree. Uh, they, I felt like theirs was two thirds. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like, like Pickles was so much in two, but definitely in one and three. Right, you know, I, explaining him having a son, having a son. Yeah, I, I feel like very few characters stood out in a major way, but they gave bumps to a lot of other characters. Like not, they didn't bump, like not huge ones where they stole the spotlight, but they certainly gave some nudges to a lot of other smaller characters uh which i th- i think is w- was good like they didn't go too heavy focus onto any one character i i mean if anybody you know if, if there are people who were left out almost entirely it's like ray palmer almost entirely had no focus yeah. uh you know, obviously, like... Uh, I mean, just because the cast is so extended on... Commander Steel, obviously, and, and Vixen did not have a whole lot to do. Um, mainly because they they were the, the people left out until their show's turn came up. Yeah. So, obviously, they missed out on a lot. 
but like you know all of the all of the big the big fight scene thingy at the end with all the heroes fighting all the aliens was really cool. You know they they did all of that stuff well. I feel like Glenn also they blew all of the production budget because the aliens looked pretty good. For yeah, as, they did. I mean for as weird as they looked, uh, like they are not they are not pretty looking aliens. They're fairly yeah. fucking hideous looking actually, but um, they did a good job in, in designing them. They didn't look too ridiculously CG. Uh, yeah, I, I think they did a pretty good job with yeah, all that. Yeah, it just that. felt weird. Like they, I felt like they didn't give Supergirl her chance to shine until the end. You know, when she's like dressed up as Kara. You know, when she's not wearing the yeah S-suit. at the at the party afterwards. Or yeah, the, after the party, party is where they kind of. Which I get, you know, with them trying to set up like the fact that Oliver kind of had to put her at arm's length and that kind of thing. Like, I get. So I feel like in the future her being into the fold now it'll be a little bit better yeah but she she gets I am that okay i will watch supergirl if they move mcrory over there <laughs> i mean she she even busts that uh if they become an odd couple oh man <laughs> i mean that's like mixed thing right lately is the odd couple like after snart left all of his all of his team-ups have all been odd couples him and ray palmer him and amaya him and supergirl like they've they've all been like these weird complete opposites. They make Steel. Like like where he and Snart like fit together well. Yeah. He's like been befriending people that are like almost the exact opposite. In, yeah. In, in in a lot of ways, and in fact, I feel like he's getting more and more extreme. The opposite. I'm not sure who he's going to be able to find next who's even more extreme opposite of him than Supergirl. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe he'll have like a Pomeranian uh, that he adopts <laughs> or something, and it'll be him and the Pomeranian. Uh, maybe something along those. I don't. I don't. Know, I don't know how much more extreme opposite you can get. But uh, uh, do you, so. So, what are your thoughts on the entire overall encompassing story from beginning to end? How do you feel they did? Um, I thought it was kind of clunky, but all in all, like you got, you have to look at things externally. Like we were talking about, you know, cast members being left out. Like there's just certain expectations you just have to realize with production. Yeah, there's only there's only so many minutes. There's only so much time, and you have a lot of people. Well, no, I mean, I thought I really thought they did a good job, especially at the end. Like, I was kind of iffy going into two because, like, really, it's like pretty much just an era episode. But three really kind of brought it back. Like, really, for me, what kind of sealed the deal was when Barry was going to turn himself in, and then Cisco's like, "No, yeah, like that was like I." Don't, Again, that stupid, sappy shit that they do on The Flash. It just fucking works. They're good with it. <laughs> and uh, But no, it just like everything just kind of fell into place. And for me, like, yeah, was it the best? No, but I didn't need it to be the greatest thing ever. Uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of... And I mean, I, I to me, the fact like that this crossover was a complete disaster makes more excited for the next one. Mm-hmm. Because... They don't have to introduce all these people together, like they've, you know. No, it'll be very much like the sequel thing with movies, where yeah. you don't have to do the origin story type yeah. stuff. Um, you'll be able to just you'll have pre-existing relationships that you've Maybe built. Maybe the next one will be Gorilla Grodds. Oh my god! Yes, please. I'm telling <laughs> Gorilla you, Grodd. I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling King you, Shark. Gorilla Grodd team up with King Shark, like they're a tag team. This has to happen. I really, yeah. I really need to see. The more I think about it, the more I really need to see either a Grodd or King Shark confrontation with McRory. And Solomon Grundy. I that's, think would... those are the three things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just really want to... I think really what this is boiling down to, much like how the Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D. is turning into the Claire Temple fan podcast, where we just gush about how much we love fucking uh, Claire Temple on, on that show, and basically all the other um, shows that she's involved in. This is very much turning for me into the the Mick Rory fan appreciation podcast because I just <laughs> envisioning scenarios where I want to see him interact. I yeah, want to see yeah, I want to see Mick Rory and King Shark interact. <laughs> I want to see them share dialogue together or with Grodd. Like I feel like he and Grodd would become friends. I'm not sure no, why, I feel but like Grodd it would turn into a uh, like you find out like he knows a lot about Planet of the Apes and he hates <laughs> monkeys. <laughs> Like whenever they go to Russia, and it just becomes like him referencing Rocky Four. Yes, all the time. <laughs> you find out that Mick Rory is really like the secret cinephile. Yeah, That's there was something else guy. they did. Like he started quoting like Shakespeare or something. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't recall. I don't recall it. What it is. But yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. I I agree with you. This this the whole story had its clunky moments. I think that's to be expected to a degree. There very few stories are without their clunks, but uh, I think and the by... fact that like there how many episodes they're doing like to me I, I I give this one a little bit more of a pass versus like on Netflix like when they have their crossover to me that better be more streamlined given the fact that you are also trying to couple together shows every single week like in continuation. Like that one, you were able to no. set aside, make it, this crossover thing. Like yeah. it better work. <laughs> and they're gonna get to do, and they're gonna get to do eight hours to like an uninterrupted eight hours yeah. to play with, which is, you know, they're gonna get to do like, uh, they're gonna get to do essentially like two, like, no, not two, like four movies. Yeah. Essentially worth of material, so they've they've got a lot of time to work with, which they did not have here. They could have had four episodes to work with Glenn, but they chose <laughs> to only do three for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and I am a little disappointed that they didn't get to do a little bit more involvement from the characters in Supergirl. That's what Aurora kind of sounded a little disappointed with, is that it's she's very much relegated to, and guest starring, Melissa Benoist as Supergirl. And that's kind of what she was. She, was, she did yeah. have her moments, and she was just awesome and great, because she is very good. Uh, but, you know, they... Or did Aurora think of Mick? She, or did she not? She did not see uh, but I did oh, tell okay. her about the scene, and she thinks it sounds amazing uh, because it is. And <laughs> yeah, most things great. with most things with with Heatwave are incredible. <laughs> which again, I still cannot believe I am saying. If you go back and listen to the archives, you will hear me clearly talking about episodes of Flash, where I'm like, I can't fucking yeah, stand. Yeah, I'll even start both. Captain Cold like, and Heatwave. It's so weird that they be, they've become my favorite things. Yeah. Well, how excited were you before we go into the scores for this? How excited oh, oh, were you yes. that the Legends of Tomorrow preview shows? Leonard Snart, a.k.a. Captain Cold. I don't know in what form he is appearing or what's happening, but he is in the episode, and this got me very excited. And, of course, all three of these shows now, the next our, our next episode, these are all going to be the mid-season finales for all of yeah. these shows. So they're going out on some, on some big It's uh, weird, nine. So they're going out on nine, which means Flash, we have, what, 13 next year? Uh, so. Arrow 13. I think Legends is still at 18 episode order. So mm-hmm. we only have nine more episodes of that. Yeah. Yeah, there are... Uh, and we've got stuff listed through 12 episodes for Legends right now and uh, 13 for Arrow. And we don't actually have anything listed past next week's episode for The Flash. But, uh, you know, there's going to be more stuff coming. Uh, so, yeah, what would, you, uh, what would you rate the Invasion story? Altogether, uh, three and three fourths. Wow. Okay, I gave it a little bit. I gave it a little bit better than that. What do you have a Do you have a reasoning behind your score? I'm not saying your score is wrong, of course, but no, because kind of the clunkiness. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of really great individual moments, and out I would say outside of like Barry and Cisco's story arc, like and Stein's to a degree, mm-hmm. I. Everything else is just kind of like scenes. Like it was just, oh, I like this scene. Yeah. I like this scene. But as as a whole, it was kind of messy outside of those three overarching themes. Mm-hmm. My score might be a little hyperinflated because I was just so excited that they produced a good episode of Arrow. Yeah, I mean that. I really did like the Arrow episode. I'll say four. Never mind. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like mine. That makes me feel slightly better about my score. But yeah, I, I feel like I hyperinflated it a bit because. Uh, even though the bar had been lowered considerably, it wouldn't be hard for them to do a, a, a very good episode. But I watched it, I'm like, this might be the best episode of Arrow I've seen in two years. And uh, I don't think that's actually necessarily true. I think there was some stuff from season three that was really good, but that's, you know, the, that season by and large was not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, uh, I, I tried to take that into account. I really enjoyed, like you said, there's a lot of good. Uh, moments, but I also like how they tied together a lot of the things from the yeah they were the happening stores. like on each individual episode. Yeah, like Barry's message to the future, his stuff with Flashpoint, some of the stuff from the past with uh, with Oliver and company, which was a joke that was made by Cisco, I believe. Yes, uh, which made me laugh. Uh, so yeah, I, I like that they tied in all of these things, and they all played. Uh, important parts of the of the story. Even Stein's 
aberration. Like all of these things played uh, played into the story as a whole, which I, I applaud them for. Uh, so yeah, I gave I actually gave this one four and a half, a four point five. Whoa, hey oh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when you when you're like when you're like three and three quarters, I'm like, oh boy, it's like mine's quite a bit higher than that. Uh, but yeah, now that you've raised it to a four, it's not so bad. Now it's only a half point higher. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I I enjoyed this a lot, and like you, I'm I'm feeling pretty comfortable uh, when they when they announce another crossover. In fact, I'm. I might be even looking more forward to it now that it's it's kind of clear that they're able to handle it, uh, and then deliver you know deliver a pretty pretty good thing. Like I was actually for once excited to watch Arrow, and that was before I knew they were going to have a pretty good episode. I was just like, I'm just excited to see what happens next. I can't wait for Arrow, which is something I have not said in a long time. So, uh, all right, so. That's a wrap for this week. There is one more week ahead of us before uh, a long mid-season break. And before we sign off, head over to cinemageekly.com and check out, if you will, all of the other podcasts we have available. And, of course, the archives of this one, which you can access also through iTunes and Google Play Music. Just search for Flashing Arrow and hit subscribe. All right, Glenn. So when we return next week, there's a lot of, uh, I feel like, we're we're setting a high standard with this uh, Captain Cold tease. May, hey, you know what? So we'll we see might they... also get Rip Hunter. We could, yeah, yeah, because it is the mid-season finale. We'll find out. What, okay, so we'll find out what happens. The are we're already we're already setting standards, maybe unreasonably high. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, I feel like he has to show up in the mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. I I kind of want them to just go back on it and have him be alive, even though his death was great uh oh snark with what they did yeah i just because i'm just selfish and i like the character i yeah, just want I them to bring him back i mean like i said when i went back and watched his death scene and it paused on gotham <clears throat> city when they were in star city was mm-hmm. yeah i do miss him it's weird it is so strange because i hated the guy <laughs> i mean yeah. as you said there's somewhere on there where i said the flash is the worst thing on television oh yeah <laughs> and <laughs> They managed yeah. to turn things around. Uh, all right, so we'll be back next week to talk season three of The Flash, episode nine, called The Present, season five, episode nine of Arrow, called What We Leave Behind, and season two, episode eight of Legends of Tomorrow, called The Chicago Way. <laughs> <laughs>